Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Go to Mark chapter 4. We're going to start Mark chapter 4. Again, finding freedom from fear. If you're joining us online, anytime we're doing our series on the last day's survival guide classes, you can go to our website and go to cffchurch.com. Go to last days. There's a link on the top of the page or just type in forward slash last days and go to the very bottom of the page and the last set of notes down there is always going to be our class that we'll be working on as we're joining together to teach the Word. Praise God. Number one on your notes, Jesus spoke by faith and announced that they were going over to the other side. Remember this? He spoke by faith and said they were going to the other side. Why is that significant? Well, listen, when God speaks, He means it. If God said to His disciples, we're going to the other side, guess what that means? We're going to the other side. So clearly anything that would happen between now and getting to the other side should not create fear in me. You listening? See that building? See that building? We're going to the other side. So anything between now and then should not create fear in us. Mark chapter 4, this is a powerful account here that we're going to read in the life of Jesus and the disciples. Verse 35, Mark 4, 35. If you're there, say amen. amen. On the same day... When evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, underline it, let us cross over to the other side. Now, what is significant is, you got to understand why this is so important. What is significant is, because you and I understand this, what's the opposite of faith? Fear. So what's significant is, where does faith come from? Well, faith really, from the perspective of Bible faith, clearly comes from what God said. But here's how I want to help you get a hold of this tonight to understand how fear operates, okay? So how do I get faith? By hearing what God said. How do I get fear? By hearing what the world says. Or by allowing the circumstances to speak to me. Or the issue of what I'm dealing with. I'm listening to that more than I'm listening to the Word of God. Fear comes the same way as faith. You're just listening to the wrong person. So the moment Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. Jesus is God in flesh. Right? Son of God. When God spoke, how many of you know it's an absolute? You don't even need to question it. So if Jesus was to tell somebody, let's go to the other side, I should have no fear getting there because guess what? I know this. We're going to the other side. Notice verse 36. Now when they had left the multitude that they had been ministering to at that time, they took him along in the boat as he was and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling, filling up with water. Verse 38, isn't this interesting? But he was in the stern. What was he doing? In the midst of the storm, what was he doing? See, when you know what God has said, and you know what God wants you to do, then it don't mean you might not have to deal with some storms, but you don't allow any of those storms to rattle you. Because I already know what God told me. So even in this case, Jesus said, I don't do anything except what I see the Father do. So God the Father clearly told him, this is where I want you to go. So he already knows we're going there. It don't matter if a storm comes, we're going there. So in the midst of whatever you face, if you really truly understand the power of faith going by what God said, then you can literally rest in your case, in any situation, rest right in the midst of the storm. So again, he he was in the stern of the boat, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and they said, teacher... Do you not care that we're perishing? Do you not care? Like the Son of God doesn't care. Like Jesus really doesn't care about you. But you know, this is what fear does. This is what fear does. Fear makes you think God really doesn't care. Because if God did care, why is this going on? But guess what? He really does care. Verse 39. He arose and what did he do? So, little side note, you know, a little rabbit trail here. We talk about this all the time in Texas. He rebuked the wind and, and, and said to the sea, Peace be still, 
And the wind ceased and there was what? I want to come back to that. Verse 40. But he said to them, why are you so, underline it, fearful? Why? Good question. Why are you so fearful? What do you mean? I told you we're going to the other side. Yeah, but the storm. I told you we're going to the other side. Yeah, but the water. I told you we're going to the other side. Now, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no what? Oh, so he's saying they're fearful because they're obviously here not operating by faith in this situation. So he's implying the absence of faith allowed the fear to come. Verse 41, they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now in another account in the Gospels when he did this, he literally said, why are you so little of faith in the Greek language? Meaning, you should have done something about it. Because clearly we have the same authority that he has. So I want to come back to verse 39 and touch on this little rabbit trail for a minute. We clearly, if you want to put a note next to this verse, you could write down John 4, 12. Excuse me, John 14, 12. John 14, 12. Jesus said, the works I do, you'll do also. The works I do. Well, this is something he did. He said, you'll do it also. You'll do it also. So notice this again. He arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, how many know that you have the same authority to rebuke damaging winds, harmful storms in Texas, North Texas, tornadoes? We had one just, uh, gosh, I don't know, a couple, let's see, what's this, January? We had one here, when was it, November, I think, November, was coming at our house. Now, I I don't just sit in a room somewhere and pray. Now, notice what Jesus did. He spoke to the actual storm. He rebuked it, number one. I want to teach us some stuff about authority. Why? Because he's been given that God-given authority wherever he's at. Number two, this is important to understand. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But like if a storm's going to hit somewhere else in another part of the state and you're not there and people say to pray, prayer doesn't change that. You have to use your authority. That's what he did. You have to use your, he didn't say, okay, guys, let's put the word out to get prayer going. See if we can get a bunch of people praying with us so we can stop this storm. Now, see, to deal with the storm, you got to speak to it. Not pray over it. Because, you know, if you're praying, let me, let me get you this clear. If I'm praying about a storm, what am I doing? Well, who are you praying to then? You're not praying to the storm. Are you? So you're praying to who? Who are you praying to? God, go back and listen to Brother Hagin's teaching on the authority of the believer. Because in that teaching, the Lord, the Lord, it was one of the eight appearances he had with the Lord. And a little demon came between him and, the, and Jesus as he was trying to teach him what he was trying to tell him. And this little demon was make, going, yakety, 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 you know, making all kinds of noise. And he couldn't hear what Jesus was saying. And he literally said, now, after he got mad, he finally got so mad, he thought, well, doesn't he know that that demon's stopping me from hearing what he's saying? I need to hear what he's saying. But he finally got so mad, he just commanded that demon to shut up and get out, and it left. Amen. And when it did, guess what the Lord said? If you wouldn't have done something about that, I couldn't have. Now, four times, Brother Hagin said, I know I didn't hear you correctly. You didn't say you couldn't have. You said you wouldn't have. No, I spoke correctly. If you wouldn't have done something about that, I couldn't have. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know I heard you wrong. I know you had to say, if if I wouldn't have done something about that, you wouldn't have. No, I didn't say that. I told you I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't have. Why? I gave you authority. I gave you authority. You have to use that authority that I gave you. Now, this is where he began to learn in this context of this meeting with Jesus about God's authority and began to study it out even further. And he learned something from the Lord critical about authority. I can't use authority in your life that you don't allow me that position of authority. I don't have authority over you. Now, I have authority in my home. You, you parents have authority over your kids. There's a, there's a place of authority in certain parts of your life that you have by birthright and or by situational sit where you're at. But here's what I want you to get. One, you can't use that authority from here to Florida. 
You got to be there to speak to whatever it is that's coming again. I've learned this by dealing with tornadoes. You can't sit in a room somewhere and pray to God and see the tornado go away. When, whenever we have a tornado threatening our area, in our context of our home or whatever, which we did in November, I, I go find out what direction is it coming from, and I stand at the window and I watch for it and I look for it. The minute I see it, I start speaking to it. And so we had one November coming towards our house and I started speaking to it and I commanded Jesus name, you will not come near this home. And instead of it was moving northeast, it then stopped and it started moving north and I watched it. I watched it go right out across the field and head off north. So you don't have authority in the area that you're not in. You got to be where that position is to deal with what you're dealing with. Because otherwise, this is what the Lord told him. He said, there's no place in the Bible ever that I told anybody that you pray and ask God to do something about the work of Satan in your life. There is no such place. And he said, anybody who's praying to me and asking me to deal with the devil is wasting their time. He said, boy, I've wasted a lot of time. So have a lot of other believers. Because God did not give you authority to pray to God and ask God to do something about the devil and his works. He expects you to use that authority. Yes, Better amen. amen. So you don't pray about those things. You speak to those things and you use your authority just like he did. Follow his example. Follow his example. He's your example. What did he do? He rebuked the wind. He commanded it to stop. Can I get a better amen? So you got to understand, folks, that that authority is yours, rightful for where you are or where your home is. That's your home. You have authority over it or whatever you, whatever you own, you have authority over. But I don't have authority in your life. You can come to me and say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me about this. The devil's doing da, 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 da. No, I'm not going to do that because, again, we don't pray to God about what the devil's doing. Right? right? We can agree, I can release my faith with you for something you're believing God for, that he's promised you. But when it comes to dealing with the devil, you don't ever talk to God about that. And so, Brother Hagin told the Lord at that time, he said, Now you've told me everything is confirmed with two or three witnesses. I need at least three scriptures in the Bible that prove this is true. He said, I'll go you one better, I'll give you four. And he gave him four different examples in the Bible where scripture clearly teaches when it comes to dealing with the works of Satan, you don't ever pray to God about that. God gave you the authority. You have to use it. When you know, see, a lot of people don't know this. When, when, now, it doesn't mean everything, something, doesn't mean if something bad goes on in your family, whatever, it's always a demon. You understand? Not everything's a demon. Say it. Not everything's a demon. But you better know when demons are trying to take advantage of your family or trying to take advantage of your life because if they are, you got to exercise authority against them. Praying to God doesn't change. Praying God doesn't get rid of them. So you got to rebuke it. I said, you got to rebuke it. And he expected them to do it. That's why he was asleep on the pillow because he said, we're going to the other side, boys. And they had the authority that obviously he himself had granted to them while they were with him to exercise that authority over any work of Satan. So again, back to the point of what we're talking about tonight here. That was a little side note. Notice again, very clearly, if you look at this in verse 40, he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? No faith. And I think it's Matthew's account says, why did you, why, basically the Greek says, why did you not exercise your faith? 1A on your notes, storm arose, right? And the disciples were what? Clearly, they were afraid. 1B, Jesus asked them why. Why they were fearful of the storm and for their lives. Why are you afraid of the storm and for your lives? Well, obviously, I guarantee you, what was the fear here they were dealing with? What was the fear here they were dealing with? More specific, fear of death. Afraid of dying. Remember, we talked about this on... on uh, Sunday, let's see, on a Wednesday night in our study on Wednesday night, a lot of people's hearts are going to fail them for fear of death in the last days, fear of dying. So clearly, it's not just a storm they're afraid of. What are they afraid of? Dying. And Jesus is saying, why? Why are you fearful about that? He could have said it this way. Why are you afraid to die? 1C, after Jesus calmed the storm, the disciples were fearful because they had never seen anything like it before. What he did. D, we must put our confidence in God and in his word and never, ever, underline it, never, ever submit to circumstances, situations, or the storms of life. Say it. Never, ever submit to circumstances, situations, or the storms of life. Not contrary to God's word. Never. 
E, it seems as though Jesus was showing them that the presence of fear was because of what again? The lack of faith, not the presence of the storm. You need to get that. Amen. Wasn't the presence of the storm, it was their lack of faith. He didn't say, why are you fearful because of the storm? No, he said, why are you fearful? Again, why? How is it you have no faith? How is it you have no faith? So he didn't say that the storm was necessary to think causing the fear it was the lack of faith what do you mean surely pastor the storm is what caused the fear now if you don't have a lack of faith it don't matter if it's a storm or what comes at you you're not going to allow fear to enter in the storm's not the problem it's the lack of faith in what god said is the problem you're letting the storm speak to you louder than what he said he said we're going to the other side i don't care how loud that storm gets the storm's not the problem it's your lack of faith you're listening to the wrong thing According to what he said clearly in these verses. 1F. When you respond to fear instead of faith, you are really saying that you trust the devil's words and works more than you trust God's. You listening? Now, I don't mean intentionally because I don't, I don't believe any believer intentionally is going to say, I trust the devil's words more than I trust God's. But ladies and gentlemen, it's a fact. That if you respond to fear instead of faith, you're saying that you trust the devil's words and works more than you trust God's. So back to their situation. They get in the boat. What does Jesus say? He did, Jesus didn't say, let's try to get over there. Let, let's see if we can make it. Did he? No. Absolute. Let us go to the other side. Meaning what? Guess where we're going, boys? We're going over there. God has spoken. I said, God has spoken. So for me to allow fear means I'm taking what now the devil is speaking to me through the circumstances or whatever's going on as actually more valuable than what God spoke to me. You're believing one word over the other. If Jesus said, get to the other side, I don't care what that storm's telling your brain. Guess what? You have the ability to get to the other side. Matthew 14. Matthew 14. See, a lot of people don't realize this happens in their life. And that's why this study is so critical. Because we need to understand faith and fear don't mix. And if we're not in faith, guess what? We're likely in fear. We're likely in fear. If we're in fear, I'll promise you this, we're certainly not in faith. Certainly not in faith. Think about all the things. We're going to talk about some at the close of this message tonight. Think about all the things man's fearful of. Death. Phobias, right? Spiders, snakes, heights. Come on. Versus, yeah, I was going to say, uh, 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 viruses. Think of all the things man's afraid of. But see, you and I aren't supposed to walk by fear. We're supposed to walk by faith. We're supposed to know what God said in that situation, about that situation. And therefore, we can do what? Find freedom from fear. Any amens tonight? Number two, this is an account here in Matthew 14 of Jesus walking on the water and is also another account of faith versus fear. So here's another one. Matthew 14, 25. He gets done ministering to the crowd. He sends the disciples to go to the other side now on their own. And as they're trying to get across to the other side, Jesus, who went up on the mountain by himself to spend some time with the Father, is now walking to where they're supposed to be across the water. And lo and behold, they're out there you know, struggling to try to get the boat across the other side because of a storm that's come up to try to stop them again. 25, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. They cried out for fear. Now, who had told them to go to the other side, by the way? Jesus. Jesus did. So again, he's told them what to do. He's told them clearly that that's where they're supposed to go. How many know they had the ability to get there? Yes. Again, verse 27, immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, underline it, do not be afraid. Amen. Don't allow fear, boys. You don't need to be allowing fear in your life at all, Period. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said what? Now, why did he say that? Why did he say that? What's the question? If it's you, command me to come. What's he going to say now? He has no choice because it is him. So he can't lie. Can't say, no, it's not me. <laughs> Don't come out here. 
right? If it's you, command me to come. So how are you going to respond to that? Well, it's me, so come on. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, what did he do? Now don't get too hard on Peter until you start walking on water. He walked on, the only two people in all of history we know in the account of the world that have walked on water. Jesus was one and Peter was one. Amen. So he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now I'll say this as a side note. If you look at this in Mark's account, same, the same actual event in Mark's account, here's what the literal Mark's account reveals about this that almost I don't hear anybody pick up on it, right? So Jesus tells all these, so you're all the Jesus' disciples, and he says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to get in the boat, you're going to go to the other side over here. So you all get in the boat, you all get in the car, go over here to 2449 to the property over here. Between here and there, man, a tornado is trying to stop you from getting there. I'm going to spend time with the Father, but I'm going to come later. Now, in this case, obviously, let's say there is water between here and there, and not a car, and you're going across on a boat, and I start walking across the water. Where am I headed? I'm not headed to you. Mark tells you this. It literally says that he would have passed them by. Why would he have passed them by? He wasn't going to them in the boat. He was going to where he told them to be. He told them where to go. He expected them to get there. Because they had the authority to do it. Where was Jesus headed? Where they were supposed to be. This is why Peter goes out to him, because here's what Peter sees. See, you get the whole picture when you look at the other Gospels of this. Peter's sitting in the boat, right? And all of a sudden, they see this figure walking on water, but he ain't coming to them. They're in the midst of this storm, and he's out there walking like there's nothing going on. And what's he about to do? What's he about to do? He's about to pass them by, and you know what Peter says? Whoa, 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 that's the Lord. That's the Lord. He's going to leave us here. Uh, to heck with you 11 guys, man. I'm going with him. I want to be with Jesus. If that's you, Lord, will bid me that I come. Come doesn't mean I want to walk on the water with you or I want to walk, walk on the water to you. No, he saw him going to the other side. He said, I want to get over there with you. I don't want to be left behind. That's pretty awesome. Peter so wanted to be with Jesus that he didn't even think about getting on, out of the boat walking on the water. He just think about, I don't want to be left behind. Verse 30, notice this. But when he saw, so he's out of the boat, he's walking on the water, heading towards Jesus. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, what did he do? What did he do? What did he do? He got focused on what was going on around him. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was what? Now think about this. The moment he got out of the boat was the wind already boisterous. But he wasn't paying attention to it at first. What was he focused on? Jesus. But as he's walking out there, all of a sudden, guess what he does? Guess what he does? Come on, guess what he does? See, at first he's what? Tractor beam, baby. He's locked in on Jesus. But as he's walking out there, all of a sudden, guess what? Like a lot of believers... He starts getting distracted and he starts looking around. Oh, man, look at the wind. It's boy. Well, it was all the time. It didn't just start right then. What was the problem? He took his eyes off Jesus. Meaning what? You ready? You ready? He took his eyes off the word. Jesus is the word. This is what we're supposed to learn by this. You take your eyes off the word. You're going to because the only way faith comes is by what God said. He took his eyes off the word. So the minute he does this, fear creeps in. The minute you take your eyes off of God's Word, guess what happens? You open the door. When you turn from looking at God's Word even just a little bit, it's like you walk into the door and open the door and say, Come on in, fear. Because that's what you permit. So again, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And therefore, beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. And he said to him, watch this, watch this. Oh, you of, whoa. I mean, this isn't like, okay, Peter, it's okay. It's all right. Come on, man. I get it. Hey, at least you proved you walked on the water. Pretty cool. Glory to God. It's all right, man. Come on, I'll take you back. No, what was his first words? What was his first words? Oh, you of little faith. You know a way to say that in context of what he actually did? Here's the way to say it. Why'd you take your eyes off of me? Why? Why did you take your eyes off of me, Peter? 
He is the Word. Faith comes by the Word. When fear enters in, God should be saying to you, Why did you take your eyes off of my Word? Because that's what He's telling him. Oh, you of little faith. Notice this. Why did you what? Doubt. Doubt means to waver. To waver. Now you're not totally in faith. Now you're allowing fear to creep in. And as you allow fear to creep in, what happens? The storm begins to overtake you. He now begins to sink. Say, thank God. Come on, say it. Thank God. Jesus helps me. Even when I get in fear. Now, you don't want to stay there. I mean, he picked him up. Thank God for that. He says when he got in the boat with him, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshipped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. But you got to understand something, folks. What Jesus was saying is, why would you take your eyes off of me? Why would you take your eyes off the word, Peter? When he said there, oh, you of little faith, he is again revealing that there's a battle here between faith and fear. Amen. So are we seeing a pattern? Yes, we are. What's causing the fear? You're focusing on the wrong thing. You're feeding on the wrong thing. You're listening to the wrong thing. You're looking at the wrong thing. I got a doctor's report. Okay, I understand. But you got to understand what the Word of God says about that. And if you want to see God help you change that situation, you got to get your eyes on what God says about it. You don't, you don't tell the, you don't, this is, see, people think this is faith. Doctor says, you got this. No, I don't. <laughs> well, yeah, it's right there. I mean, I can show it to you. No, I don't. Well, yeah, you do. No, I'm a believer. I don't have that. You don't need to tell the doctor that. Wow. And the fact is, it's there. Faith doesn't deny the existence of a storm. Faith doesn't focus on it. Faith don't focus on it. It doesn't deny it's there. See, a lot of people think they're in faith by denying it's there. To deny you're battling a storm or going through a battle of any kind is not faith. Faith doesn't deny it's there. Faith doesn't focus on it. Because the minute you start focusing on the storm, guess what? Faith goes by the wayside and fear creeps in. Because you've taken your eyes off of what God says. So think about how many times in your life you started believing God for something, and if you're really honest, fear crept in. And I'll tell you how fear crept in. I don't mean like you just got all scared and afraid. Maybe you did. But I'll tell you how fear crept in. Well, I thought this would happen by now. I, I thought this would change by now. See, you're already taking your eyes off of what the Word says. Amen. Good word. Yep. Amen? Amen. 2A. Disciples, they saw Jesus walking on the water. They were immediately afraid, of course. And Jesus' first words to be to them were, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Once Peter saw it, uh, see, saw that it was Jesus, he did what? Wanted to go to him. Why? He ain't going to leave me behind. One of these other 11 boys in the boat? Okay, fine with me. But I'm going where you're going. Say it, I'm going where he's going. D, Peter therefore did what? He walked on the water with Jesus as long, underline it, as he kept his eyes on the master. I want you to listen to that phrase. He walked on the water with Jesus. With Jesus. With Jesus. He walked on the water with Jesus as long as he kept his eyes on the master. You're not alone. When you walk by faith, you're walking with God. But the moment he looked at the circumstances, what did he do? He began to sing. Jesus didn't. Peter did. E, fear and doubt work what? Hand in hand to steal your faith. So fear is allowing your focus to come off of the word. And the moment you do, here's, how, here's another important key, man, to understand about fear. How do I know, Pastor, when fear starts to creep in? Here's how. Because doubt will start to open its door. What's doubt? You'll begin to waver. You'll begin to waver. Well, I thought. Well, I believed. Well, nothing's happened. I thought this would change. I don't understand. I've been confessing the word. I've been believing God. I thought it would be already over by now. I thought this would be a done deal by now. See, you're wavering now. You're wavering. So what's that mean? You're focused on the wrong thing. You've gotten your eyes on the wrong thing. Fear and doubt work hand in hand to do what? Steal your faith. F, we are the same way today. When we look upon Jesus, and you might want to pull a side note, the Word. Because that's how you look upon Jesus. He's the Word. When we look upon Jesus, we are strong and fearless. But when we take our eyes off of Him and look at the circumstances, fear begins to set in and we begin to lose. 
See, this is the reason Satan works so hard to get us in fear, because fear will cause you to be defeated as a believer. 1 John chapter 4. But how many know the significance, therefore, of needing to know what God has said about any given situation? You need to know what God has said. What has God said about that? Because you can't have faith in something that God didn't say. Your faith, by looking to the Word, you can't have faith unless you know what God said. Uh, obviously, in context of faith in, faith in God, you got to know what God said about it. 1 John, turn there, 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. 1 John 4, 15. Are you there? Yes. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, underline this. God does what? He abides, he abides in Him and He in God. 16. And we have, underline this, known and believed. Underline those two words. Two things. We've known, but we've also believed. Do you know, this is something to understand in relationship to all aspects of what we deal with with God. I can give you an example with sinners. Do you know that a lot of sinners know God's for real? You know a lot of sinners know Jesus died? But that don't mean they believed in Him. Put put their faith in Him. You can know something God said, but that don't mean you believe it. You got to believe it. Can't just know it. A lot of Christians literally don't realize they're substituting knowledge for faith. Knowledge is not faith. Faith Now, faith begins where the will of God is known. Begins. It begins. But you got to believe it in your heart. you got to get it solidified in your heart. Because the Bible's clear, man. With the heart, man believes. Yes. Romans chapter 10. So, we can't just know what God says. we got to believe it. Amen. Any amens on that? Amen. We have known here and believe what? What? That the love. Uh, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So I want you to hear that again. We've known and believed what? We know, we've known and believed, believed the love that God has for us, John said. John, who's writing this, we don't just know God loves us, we believe it. We believe it in our heart. Why? Because God is love. Say, God is love. And notice this, he who abides in God and notice, uh, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Amen. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. I love this in the Greek. Love has found its target in you. Amen. Love being perfected. Love isn't perfected here means a completion of love. Love's not complete until it finds the heart of a human and changes their life. So love has found its place of perfection or completeness in you when you got born again so that you could then have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are you, what, in this world? 18, underline it. There is no fear in love. Say it. There is no fear in love. There is what? But you can't just have knowledge God loves you. Got to believe it. We've known... And believe the love God has for us. I mean, ask the average Christian. Did you know God loves you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but do you really believe it? Because if you believe it, you know what he said is absolutely true. He don't lie to you. Come on, somebody. See, the problem again, you got to understand. I cannot substitute knowledge of the word for faith in the word. It's not how it works. I need to know what the Bible says, but I got to develop faith. How? By hearing and hearing and hearing by the word. That's why you got to even take the promises of God, hear them preach, and then meditate them on yourself, speaking them to yourself. I forget where it came from. Probably it was probably Hagen, I believe. Keep speaking the word until you believe it. And then when you believe it, keep speaking it. What a powerful statement. Keep speaking the word till you believe it. Why? Faith comes by hearing by the so if you're speaking it, guess what you're doing? You're hearing it. Keep speaking it till you believe it. But once you believe it, keep speaking it. Might have, might have been uh, Kenyon that said that. But I, and then Hagen might have quoted him. But that's a powerful truth. So again, verse 18. Say it out loud, please. There is no fear in love. Say it with me out loud. There is no fear in love. Like you're running fear off. Come on. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. 
If you're walking in a knowledge and belief of God's love for you, fear cannot get in you. Fear cannot affect your life. There is no fear in love. Why? Because perfect love does what? Casts out fear. Because fear involves what? Torment. But he who fears has not been therefore what? Made perfect in love. Or come to a complete understanding of God's love for them. Look at your notes. Number three. Fear is, is an absence of the, secure, uh, of the security that the love of Jesus gives us. Hear that again. Fear is an absence. Fear is an absence of the security that the love of Jesus gives us. So in the case of those boys in the boat, he clearly told them what they were going to do. They should have known we're going to get to the other side. How is it they should have trusted him? Because they should have known he loves them. Yes. 1A, perfect love does what? Cast out all fear. A1, perfect love is a mature love, not a puppy love. So in other words, you've developed relationship with love himself, God. And if you do that, you don't just know he loves you, you believe it. You believe it because you walk with him. A2, the God kind of love. Listen, the God kind. Say the God kind. So we're not talking about worldly love here. We're talking about the God kind. The God kind of love breeds security that he will allow no one to touch us. That's what the God kind of love breeds in you. Well, then why do things happen to me? Why, do, why does the enemy... I'll tell you why. Because number one, you're a target. But number two, a lot of what happens to us is because of stuff we've done to allow that to happen. Doors we've opened. Not all of it. You're just in a fallen world, period. But you can go through this fallen world like Jesus, totally free from all fear. Amen. Because the God kind of love breeds a security that he will again do what? Allow no one to touch us. There's three kinds of love the Bible mentions. One is eros, which is kind of an erotic love. One is actually a a phileo kind of love, which is a human manly kind of love. And one is agape, which is the God kind of love. Phileo is not what you want to walk in, but that's what most people walk in. So a phileo love is I'll love you as long as you love me. You treat me good, I'll treat you good. That's a human form of love. But agape is not that way. Beat me up, treat me horrible, do all kinds of bad things to me, I'll still love you. See, agape love isn't based on how you're treated. Agape love loves no matter what, period. Aren't you glad God still loves you? I've said it many times. Do you realize all the people in hell, God still loves them? He's love. He doesn't love them any less than he loves you. He don't love you more than he loves them. He died for them the same as he died for you. They just chose to reject him. That don't mean he don't love them. Uh, notice this, A3 on the back of your notes. This kind of love also, God kind, this kind of love also breeds the mentality God isn't going to smite us just because we blew it. It's not God's love. He's not trying to harm you, do you in. He's trying to help you. Even in the midst of Peter's mistake, what did Jesus do? Picked him up. Come on, I'll carry you back to the boat. 3B, when we are secure in our love relationship with God, we fear not. We fear not. So why do a lot of people therefore fear, Pastor? They're not secure in their relationship with God. Why would you not be secure in your relationship with God? You don't have one. You don't spend time with love himself to find out how loving he is. You don't open your Bible daily in fellowship with God and spend time talking to God and letting God love on you. Because if you go fellowship with God, you're going to find out how much God loves you. Amen. Amen. 3C, the more realization of his love, guess what? The less fear. So the greater we walk in a revelation of his love for us, the less fear I'm going to deal with. Pretty good. Number four in your notes, faith is a byproduct, byproduct of God's word being preached, proclaimed, declared. Therefore, fear is a byproduct of listening to Satan's words. Well, think about how many, how many places in this world Satan's words are being broadcast every single day. So we got to make sure we're doing what we can to not obviously be listening to all that garbage. 4A, study the account. Remember this? Study the account of the 10 spies, right? Children of Israel come out of Egypt, finally get over to the promised land. They send in what? 10 spies to go check it out. The promised land. So think about this. Study the account of the 10 spies, and you'll see that the grasshopper reports 
put the whole congregation, over a million plus people, it put the whole congregation in fear of the obstacles in the promised land. Why? Because all those people were listening to the wrong ones. Did God not say it was their land? Did God not say he gave it to them? Well, why do you need to hear what uh, eight other spies obviously are saying contrary to what God said instead of the two that are agreeing with God? It's amazing how many people will listen to the majority. That's why I say all the time, don't think the majority's right. Most of the time, the majority's wrong. That's just a fact. A lot of people base credibility on majority. Now go, go through the history of the Bible. And almost all through the history of the Bible, the majority were wrong. The minority were right because they were walking with God. See, it's an absolute. And it's just a sad fact. But God is not the most popular person on the planet. And if you walk with God, that means you ain't going to be real popular with a lot of people. For B, sit around and start talking about who you are in Christ and you will begin to see faith and courage rise in your heart. Got a circle to highlight that. See, if you'd sit around and talk about who you are in Christ. See, this goes back to date. I'll never, every time I think about this, I think about Ronnie and Kim Tubbs. Because Ronnie and Kim Tubbs, who were close friends of mine, right after I got born again, were going to Cowboy Church. And we became close. Ronnie and I both rode bulls. Oftentimes, if I was in town and not out of town for another rodeo during the summer, we go to Mesquite Rodeo every weekend. Well, they lived in Stephenville. They would drive up from Stephenville. I had a little barn apartment, little tiny barn apartment. You can ask Kathy how small this was. Now, Kathy and I aren't married yet, but I had this little tiny barn apartment. Now, she came and joined us a lot of times, but we would actually meet at my apartment, and then they would stay with me overnight. I would put them on a little tiny, small, fold-out, little single twin bed that they would sleep on and I had a bedroom that I would sleep in only had one bedroom but we would go to Mesquite to the rodeo we wouldn't get back home on a Saturday night if we was up on Saturday night sometimes Fridays but we wouldn't get home from there till like 12 o'clock by the time you're done bull riding's last event everybody wants to see the best part that's you know save for the last so they save us the best part for the last (laughs) seeing how well that went over with you Why do you hold the bull riding to the end? If it's not the best part, why not put it up front so everybody can see it and go home? So it's at the very end. The road don't start till 8 o'clock. That means they don't usually get over till 10, 10, 30. And then a lot of times they would come to me because Kay Gay, uh, Donnie's uh, mom, as well as uh, obviously others that worked in the office who ran all the thing, you know, she was kind of a rodeo mom to us guys who lived here. They, would, they always had at Mesquite, they had a, a booth where you could go get autographs. And they would always ask several people from different events to go give autographs. They would take our pic, they would have pictures of us from one of the rodeos there at Mesquite. Like in my case, you know, they had pictures of me on a bull that I rode there. And they would, they would provide those pictures, but they would always ask me, because I, you know, I was friendly, wanted to meet people and stuff. They'd always, would you go sign autographs? Because a lot of times guys didn't want to hang around and do it. Okay, all right, I'll go sign autographs. The be- best part for me was <clears throat> I would put a scripture on every one of them. Amen. Psalm 37, 4, every single one of them. Psalm 37, 4, God bless you, uh, Daryl Baker. Not handle the- one time, Pastor Betta guy, I need to call this guy, he's a pastor of a church that, and he's under Dr. Barclay. Great church, by the way. He told me about it again when he was here this time. He said, I was talking to this guy one time, and I found out that he was a bull rider. And all of a sudden, we got to talking and stuff, and, and Pastor said, well, I know a bull rider. He said, you do? What's his name? Daryl Baker. He said, whoa, get out, man. He said, like the Daryl Baker? <laughs> he said, what do you mean? He said, like the Daryl Baker from Texas, Daryl Baker? That rides a mesquite, Daryl Baker, yeah. Oh, man, I got one of his autographs. I got a picture of one of his autographs. I wanted to be just like him. I told, I told Pastor, I said, I wasn't that good. I said, mesquite, of course, saw, everybody saw mesquite, so everybody got to know you by being on mesquite rodeo. Back then, the only rodeo on television was mesquite rodeo. That's all you saw on TNN. <clears throat> I just thought it was kind of funny because the guy really thought I was really something. I said, well, sad to think. He thought, really thought I was something. I really wasn't that good. I think it's pretty cool, though. He turned out to be a pastor. He now pastors as well. But 
You got to understand something. We got to recognize the significance of what it means in relationship to fear in our life based on what we listen to and what influences us. So I went there simply to sign my autographs and stuff so they could get a verse so I could sow the word of God in their life. So I don't get home till like midnight. And most of the time, Ronnie's having to wait on me to sign autographs. And they're waiting for me because they're staying at my hotel, uh, my uh, hotel, at my little barn apartment. And then the next morning, guess where we're going? Church. We never miss church. So we get home at 12 o'clock. You know what we do for, from like 12 to 2 in the morning? You know what we do? This right here. Uh, sit around, start talking about who are you in Christ, and you'll begin to see faith and courage rise in your heart. We'd sit there for hours and talk about what we'd been learning. I'd been studying stuff. He'd been, I'd start preaching to him. He'd preach to me. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me tell you what I learned. And then I'd start preaching. He'd tell me. I'll tell you why this was significant. <clears throat> because at one time, Am I boring you? No. At one time, I got on a bull there called Top Cat. I'd been on him once before. And actually, uh, no, I take that back. First time I got on him, I bucked off and he hooked me, threw me down, and, and, and uh, messed me up pretty bad. But the next time I got on him, I fell under him. And he jumped all over on top of me, stepped on me all over, stepped on my chest, stepped on my body, my side. And, and they were dragging me out, trying to get me, clowns trying to get me out from under him. Finally got me out from under him, got me over to the fence. I couldn't even get up. They had to help me up. They had an actual Justin Healer room where they would take you in to check you out. So they take me in there. And as they take me in there, they said, man, you, you got, we don't know what all's damaged on the inside of you. We're going to have to cart you off to the hospital. And about that time, ready? Ronnie Tubbs walked in the door. Sit around, start talking about who you are in Christ, and you'll begin to see faith and courage rise in your heart. All those hours we talked about our God and how big our God was. And Ronnie walked in as they're going over, filling out their little report, getting ready to stick me in the ambulance. Ronnie walked over and said, you ready for some good news? I said, lay hands on me right now. He laid hands on me, called me healed in Jesus' name, and spoke the word of God over me, declared it over my body. And after he did, I flung my legs over off the side of that thing. I jumped down to the floor. I looked at the guy and said, where are you going? I'm going home. I'm healed in Jesus' name. And I walked out the door. Sit around and start talking about who you are in Christ, and you'll begin to see faith and courage rise in your heart. Where did this go? As believers, this is what we ought to be talking about. Not all the garbage in the world. 4C, sorry I bored you with my story. See, you didn't like it. Sit around and start talking about your situations, though, circumstances and problems, and you're going to see fear and doubt. Uh, You will see the fear and doubt that it breeds in your heart. Can I help you? You know what do you a whole lot better? Do you a whole lot better talk about the Word of God instead of this current administration? There's nothing wrong being knowledgeable for the purpose of praying if you're really praying, but most people aren't. They're just talking about it. They're just yakking. I don't talk about it anymore. I don't care to hear it. I don't care to listen to it. I don't need it in my life because it's certainly not going to build faith in me. I continue to stick to the Word of God and what God says. 2 Corinthians 4.13. 2 Corinthians 4.13. Am I done with you? Are you bored, ready to leave? Right answer. 2 Corinthians 4.13. Even if you weren't sincere, although I think you were, praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 4.13. See, our faith became so strong, that's, that's what, even in the case of where I saw a young man raised from the dead. I don't believe that would have happened had we not been building faith in each other. Amen? 2 Corinthians 4.13. I want you to see this. And since we have the, underline it, same spirit of faith. Listen to that definition of faith. The same spirit, spirit, say spirit. The same spirit of faith. Faith is of the heart. Faith is of the spirit. The same spirit of faith, in this case, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke, that we, then we also will do what? Believe and therefore speak. Whatever you believe and speak will come to pass. Now there's multiple things to say about this. First of all, Faith is not something in your head. Faith is of the spirit realm. It's known as a spirit of faith. Because there's also a spirit of fear. But you don't have a spirit of fear. You listening? You have a spirit of faith. And by the way, that spirit of faith is the same. Since we all have. Paul's writing this. I mean, oh, Paul was a great man of faith. Sure wished I had faith like Paul did. You do. You just haven't learned to develop it yet. You have the same spirit of faith. Wouldn't it be cool to have the faith of Jesus? You do. 
It's not a different spirit of faith. It's one spirit of faith. It's the same. I said it's the same. You just got to learn to develop it. Five, there is a spirit of faith and a spirit of fear. Which one did you get? You got a spirit of faith. 5A, you can be supercharged by being in the presence of a man of faith and super drained by being around fearful people. So another reason you better watch who you fellowship with. You listening? Because people, again, that are deceived and gossiping and slandered and all this garbage and negative all the time and everything, they're not helping build your faith, folks. They're helping drain your faith. 5B, you can change. Sometimes I say that in my spirits, like I hear somebody say, well, who am I going to hang around then? Well, sadly, not a whole lot of people today, but you ought to start encouraging others by you being a part of doing what you know you should do to encourage faith. Amen. Amen. I miss those days. Kathy and I have talked about it many times. We don't get those, those opportunities really pretty much anymore. But I'm telling you what, man, that went on for like two years in my life. And, and in the summertime, it was almost every weekend. And it didn't bother us to step. Sometimes, man, finally 3, 4 o'clock, you know, we're like, I guess we probably better get to bed because we've got to be at church at 10 o'clock. Right. And we didn't miss church, folks. I hear all these excuses about missing church. Well, I'm tired. Well, I went and rode a bull. I actually went and worked all day in a rock truck, then went and rode a bull, then stayed up and talked about God till 2 or 3 in the morning and still made it to church on time. Yeah. Not bragging about me. I'm just saying you can do it if you want to go there. That's all I'm saying. Amen. Amen. All right. 5C. You are a plus or... Think about this. You are... Oh, excuse me. uh, 5B. You can change the entire atmosphere around you. I've given you this example. Jerry Savelle's little boys. Remember that? You can change the atmosphere around you. And you do just by your countenance and words. I I have a challenge for you. Just enter a room next time and see what happens. Amen. 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 Why? See, because you're a plus or a minus. You're a positive or a negative. And I guarantee you, it's hard to be a positive and speak according to God's word and have a lot of whole, whole lot of negative naysayers hang around you. They don't want, they're going to get bored with you. They want to find somebody who let, you know, let them uh, give all their woes to. Now, there's, there's a difference between you know, people kind of needing some help and they need you to pray for them. But when it's caused, it's all the time. All they talk about, their problems, 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 problems. Listen, they're not going to come out of that because I guarantee you, if you look at those people's lives that do that, ask yourself this question. How often are they in church? They're not very often in church. Why? Therefore, their faith isn't being built in church because they're not hearing the Word of God preached. I can't tell you many of these people that I've seen, that I've dealt with over and over and over again, and I ask them this same simple question every single time. Every time. I say, so are you daily in the Word and fellowship with God? Well, no. Well, and you expect things to change. Perfect love casts out. God is love. But you're not going to fellowship with love. Number six. There are many kinds of fear. Many kinds. Here's some of them. A fear of death and harm. Now think about this because you got to relate this to yourself. Can I tell you, I still have to deal with in my life and address and overcome in my life based on what the Word of God says. What I've always had ever since I was a little kid is a fear of heights. Now if I'm in like an enclosed type of thing, you know, or something around me and I'm moving, it's not bad. I like roller coasters, but I don't like the ones where you hang down like, you know, there's almost nothing under you. It's like all your legs are hanging down and stuff, you know. Are you kidding me? I don't really need to do that for excitement for me. Not something I need to try to prove that I'm not fearful. But I do have to deal with it. You know why? Because it's wrong to allow fear to control your life. Now, in that case, I can avoid the fear because I just don't get on the thing. There's, there's no reason for me to go get on it anyway. Are you listening? But there's been times I've had to do stuff, getting up on a tall ladder, whatever. Now, if you're being safe, obviously, you need to have safety, uh, you know, in mind. I mean, obviously, you shouldn't just be doing something crazy like you think somehow this ladder's going to stay up there when it's hanging off of one leg on the bottom, you know, and one leg on the top. And the thing's, you know, moving around while you're trying to climb up it and you're trying to go up 50 feet. That's crazy. But you need to recognize where you still deal with fear. Amen. Every one of you do. Yeah. Every one of us still has areas that we have to deal with fear. Yeah. So some have a fear of death and harm. Some have a fear of man. Now how do I know if I have a fear of man? Because you so want to please them. You know why a lot of people won't break off relationships they should? Because of a fear of man. They don't want that person to think wrong of them. That's a fear of man. 
Why are you afraid what they think about you? Who do you love more, them or God? Uh, how about fear of the evil one? There are people, I am guarantee you. If you've never been taught your authority, it's amazing how many people <clears throat> back in the day of Hagen and before, you know, I, I'll never forget Brother Hagen had a guy come to him and said, now Brother Hagen, <clears throat> they were at a meeting. Brother Hagen, he said, I got to tell you, he said, there's this minister over here and he's going to put a curse on you if you don't stop teaching this. He said, huh? <laughs> he said, there's a minister of God over here and he's going to put a curse on you. He's done it to others. If you don't stop teaching this stuff you're teaching, quit calling him a minister of God. Right. That ain't no minister of my God. Right. No minister of my God's going around cursing people because my God's not cursing anybody. Right. Number two, how can you curse whom God's blessed? Not possible. Amen. Oh, Brother Hagin, you need to quiet down. Because these, these demons, man, they'll hear you. Are you kidding me? They're the ones I want to hear it. Yeah. So there's a lot of people afraid of demonic powers, the evil one. How about fear your enemies? Fear of your enemies. There are people who obviously have people that they know are enemies of theirs, and they, they're afraid of them. Why would, we, why would we be afraid of them? If we're walking with God, we have no reason to fear enemies. How about fear of self? Huh? Yeah. Fear of self. Fear of failure. You're afraid to fail. You're so afraid to fail that you're so hard on yourself when you try to do stuff because you're afraid to fail. Come on. That's good. Go ahead. Tell somebody. He's preaching better than your amen. Yeah, a lot of people have fear of self. Fear of failure. A fear of wanting to be uh, looked upon by others as beautiful or perfect or right. Nothing against you ladies. Guys have similar problems in similar manners. And you know, for most guys, it's about what they have or what they do. For women, it's how they look. They're so fearful of other people. Now, I didn't say, you know, don't comb your hair and just leave it hanging out, you know, and, 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 and not wear nice clothes. That's all I'm saying. But some women are so caught up with how they look. It's like, if I don't spend two hours before I walk out the door, I can't walk out the door. What are you afraid of? You want me off of this title, off of this, uh, excuse me, off this subject, don't you? See, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Why are you afraid to walk out the door without just being perfectly in place? What are you afraid of? In many cases, they're afraid of self because of how they see themselves. They don't want people to look upon them as if all of a sudden they're not this beautiful, wonderful example of a lady. Well, beauty's, I'll guarantee you what, beauty's not skin deep, ladies and gentlemen. Beauty's in the heart of the beholder. How about fear of embarrassment? Fear of being embarrassed, doing something. And that's a lot of guys. A lot of guys get fearful of doing things because they don't want to look like a failure. They don't want to look like they've messed up or goofed up or done something wrong. You know why guys have a hard time asking for directions? <laughs> equal time, ladies. Equal time. See, I talked about the makeup a minute ago. Now I'm talking about the direction guy. Come on, somebody. Why do they have... A difficult time asking for directions. They don't want to embarrass themselves. Seriously. I remember one trip we was on, oh, we lost, Kathy said, no, we were. <laughs> That's a fear of being embarrassed. That you can't even be honest enough to say, we're lost as a goose in a fog. And I don't have, we, don't, we don't have a cell phone, there's no GPS back then, you know. I'm not real sure where we are, but praise God, somehow we're going to get, that, we're going to get through this. Praise the Lord. Etc. Amen. You don't, I'm serious. You don't, see, most people think, well, fear doesn't bother me. You don't really look at it in the whole context of how fear works. Because you need to realize that these are things God does not want us to have affecting our life. Amen? Amen. 6A, all these things can be overcome. You ready? By the courage that comes to you when you live your life in Christ and in His Word. Because faith comes through the Word. Hearing, hearing the Word. Amen. Amen. Thank God we can live free from fear. Jesus' name. Don't think it doesn't come after you. Don't think it doesn't try to mess with you. It still tries to mess with me. It still does. I used to be bad about telling people things uh, growing up that wasn't true because I didn't want them to, to obviously, again, I didn't want to feel embarrassed by uh, obviously having known that I goofed up and I didn't want them to know about it. 
in many ways in my life. So I would obviously sometimes not say that actually what the truth was because I was embarrassed to do so. Just embarrassed to admit that I goofed up and I messed up. And therefore, it was something of an embarrassment to me to allow other people to know that. We got to make sure we're not allowing fear to affect our life. Because where fear is operating, guess what is not? Faith is not. Faith is not. Stand your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.